chapter 3 today. We're going to finish, finish up chapter 3 today. And if you want to bookmark your Bible, because uh, we are going to jump to some other texts today. Uh, if you want to bookmark your Bible for Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 19, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I like to do that just so that you, you can turn there um, quicker when it's time to turn there. So that was Acts chapter 9, uh, Acts chapter 19, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Our passage today, though, is Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the width, or excuse me, and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Great passage. Wonderful passage for today. I've had a great time getting ready for this sermon, and it's been a wonderful blessing for me uh, to remind me that God is my strength. And yes, it is true that God is our strength in everything, but specifically, God is our strength in our call to share the gospel. He, he is our strength. You know, when it comes to sharing the gospel, too many times we rely on our own flesh. And we put too much pressure on ourselves. We forget that it is God who gives us the strength to share his word. He's the one who has called us to it. And then he is the one who enables us to do it as well. As I thought about this passage, I, I started thinking about, you know, when you have something to do, you know you have something to do, but you know it's very difficult. And maybe you don't have the strength to do it. You start thinking through things and I mean, anything in life, it could be a, uh, an issue that you're dealing with right now. Or it could just be a general task around the house. I know there are days whenever I know I have to do my honeydew list, but I don't have the strength to do it. I just kind of lay around a little bit trying to gather up the strength. Have you ever thought about that when you see somebody else getting into something that you know they don't have the strength for? One of the greatest things that no one is equipped to do, actually two things. Another one just came to mind as I'm thinking about it right now. No one is ever ready to be married in our own strength, right? We're not ready to be married, and no one is ever ready to be a parent in their own strength. When I see a couple and, and a young couple, and they're so much in love, and they're, they're about to get married, I just look at them and I say, poor you. <laughs> poor you. You're going to find out 
that God is your strength. On the other hand, I also say, what a blessing it is that you are going to be married. When I see someone have a child for the first time, same thing. Poor you. But on the other side, what a blessing. See, in those two things, we are sanctified. We come to realize that being a spouse and being a parent, those two things are beyond us. I, I never get why people say God would never give you more than you can handle. Just by being a father and being a husband and a father, that's, that's more than I can handle. I really don't understand that, 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 that way of thinking. Surely God gives us more than we can handle because we need to look up to him. So he is our strength. He is our everything. And through the difficult times in life, through difficult relationships, through the difficulty we have in evangelism, he is developing us. He is growing us. And he is working out his will and his purpose for our lives. See, when Paul looked at this church in Ephesus, and, and he wrote this passage down, he had evangelism in mind. When he's writing this section of passage down, he had evangelism in mind because he saw it as necessary. This was something the church needed to do. This is what the church is called to do. So he couldn't warn them from it and say, don't do that. He's, he's encouraging them to evangelize, but at the same time, he also knows that the church will need help and the church will need to be strengthened by God in order to do it. Therefore, Paul prays for the church to be spiritually strengthened by God to evangelize the lost in the city of Ephesus. Now, as we look at this passage, we will also identify the challenges there are in evangelism. But we're also going to identify the ways in which we have help from above. Now, first of all, I keep on mentioning evangelism, especially with this text. And I, I really want to help you to see that Paul is specifically talking about that topic. Um, so we read verses 14 through 21. And here in a minute, we're going to back up and we're going to look at verses 6 through 11. Okay, so that we can get a full understanding of that. But as I was looking at this passage, there was so many different ways that I, I could have preached this. Like if I were doing a topical sermon, uh, it would have been great to talk about several different things here. Uh, prayer is one of those things. I could preach a sermon from this text on how to pray. Now, this is a great how-to. I could also preach a sermon um, from this text on the strength that we receive from God for all things. Because the Bible tells us that he is the one who empowers us. He is the one who, who works his purpose and his will out in us. I could have preached um, a sermon about that. Uh, I, I could have preached a sermon about God's love from this text. right? Because Paul talks about the believers in Ephesus, that he wants them to know the love of God. 
He wants them to, to measure it for themselves and see how it's infinite and it's eternal. So there are different things that I could have preached, but if I, am, if I, if I want to stay true to uh, the meaning of the text, and let me, by, first of all, let me say, if I wanted to preach a topical sermon from the text, those would be all appropriate. But our goal here is as we're walking through the letters for you to get a general understanding of what is happening and why Paul is writing to these believers and how that speaks to our church today. So if I am going to look at this uh, verse in context and if I'm going to expose the meaning of this text, I must focus on the topic of prayer and also strength for the sake of evangelism. Because here, when we look at the text, it's obvious that Paul is praying, and it is also obvious that he is praying for the church to be spiritually strengthened. But when you look and you start where we started at verse 14, the question comes up, why? And we have to answer that question. The beginning of our text gives us a clue as to why Paul is praying for the church to be strengthened. And if you look at the beginning, verse 14, it's almost like a therefore. He says, for this reason. So we need to treat it the same way we would a therefore. Therefore means that there's something important before. So Paul is saying, for this reason, or therefore, I bow my knees before the Father. So here he goes into a prayer, but for what? Well, if we back up to verse 6, we're going to get an understanding of what Paul is praying for. Look at verse 6. In verse 6, Paul speaks of the mystery of God. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This mystery, it got, he, what Paul is doing here is he's, he is exposing, he is, he is revealing this wonderful mystery of God that salvation is not only for the Jews, but it is also for the Gentiles. And so this is what he is talking about here in verse three, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 6. And he is talking to this church and letting them know that salvation is not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles, all those who come to Christ. Now, look at verse seven. Paul speaks to the calling of his office. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Okay, now. Verse 7 speaks to that. Now verses 8 and 9. In verses 8 and 9, Paul speaks to the purpose of the work of the church. In other words, he's speaking to the purpose of those he is teaching, those he is discipling. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone that is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who, were cre- who created all things. And then in verse 10, Paul speaks to the purpose of, of, of the church and what we are to be doing. So that through the grace or through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So when you back up to verse six and you see Paul saying, hey, I'm speaking to you about this mystery of God, which is the gospel. I'm sharing it with you 
because verse seven, it is my responsibility to share it with you so that, verse eight, so that the church can be blessed and know the unsearchable riches of Christ and also so that the church can bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Then in verse 10, so that through the church's effort in evangelism, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Then he says in verse 11, this, everything that I just told you, is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's the explanation. There's Paul talking about evangelism. And then, after he finishes that, Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, dot, 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 that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. So there's our topic. That's what Paul is specifically praying for, that we be spiritually strengthened for sharing the gospel, that we be spiritually strengthened for evangelism. Why does Paul need to pray for that, for the church? The answer is really simple, because there's a great burden when it comes to evangelism. It's a great burden. That's why so many people have such a difficult time doing it. And when I speak about evangelism, not speaking about just corporately where we come together as a church and we, you know, we go to the side of the street and we either engage people as they walk by or, or, or you, you stand out there with the sign. And that's that's great. That's corporate evangelism. In fact, we need that more. Brother Marty left and uh, he was the one heading up that ministry in our church, and we haven't replaced him yet. So if God is calling you to that, come and speak to me, because uh, I we would love to start something like that again. But that's what I would call like corporate evangelism. We come together and we do this. But how about on the personal level? I speak about evangelism on a personal level. There are those who in which God has, there are those people that God has placed in your life. They live with you at your house. You work with them. You may be at the grocery store together. You may be at a restaurant together. God opens up an opportunity for you to evangelize. See, there's the corporate and then there's the personal. My opinion, we must be involved in both. Because as a church, that's what we're called to do. But when it comes to evangelism and we say, hey, we're going to have an, a, an event. And it's natural. Not everybody signs up. It's just like public speaking. Hey, we're going to invite everybody to come up front and, and, you know, share a couple words about God. Who wants to volunteer? You know, maybe a couple will raise their hand. It's a scary thing. You know, but with evangelism, there are also repercussions from it. There are things that we have to deal because we are sharing the word of God. Very intimidating. And then also, if you know that if, if you're a person who's evangelized and evangelized on a regular basis, it's also a heavy burden. Because it's not pretty. 
there are a lot of things that you have to deal with because of it. In fact, sharing the gospel with the lost is something that the church cannot do without divine intervention. We, we can't do it on our own. There's no way. If we're true to scripture, we'll realize we can't do it on our own. Why? Well, because scripture says it is God who draws people to Christ. I, I can't do that. You can't do that. I can't convince somebody they need the Lord. If, if I do that for somebody, then they didn't come to saving grace. It's, the, it's, the, it's, it's God who draws them in. Scripture also says that he is the one who changes our hearts. He is the one who causes us to be born again. We, we ourselves can't make ourselves be born again. We can't change our hearts. He is the one who changes our hearts. He is also the one who saves our souls. Scripture says he is the one who adds to the church daily. It doesn't matter what we think of, programs or any kind of, any kind of ideas that we have out there. We cannot truly add to the church unless it is God's spirit is the one who's doing it. So scripture also says that not only does he add to the church daily, but he is the one who causes spiritual growth. Some may water, some, some may plant, some may water, but without God, there is no growth. So you see, we need divine intervention. We need him to intercede. We need him to be involved. We need his power. We, we cannot do evangelism by ourselves in a corporate setting or in a personal setting. We need to be strengthened by God. And Paul's prayer for God to strengthen the church tells us everything we need to know about how capable we are of doing this on our own. Right? Because if Paul thought the church was able to do this on their own, there's, there would be no need to pray for strengthening. But Paul understands that the church lacks strength to do this on their own. It's almost like if you've ever lifted weights before, you want to start slow, right? And you want to start light. Especially the older you get, you don't want to get under, you don't want to start with your max, so to speak, right? And start lifting that. Or a little bit, maybe five pounds past your max. If you get into a bar like that, you're going to try to pick it up and you're probably not even going to move the, 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 the bar at all. But you see, how do you get to the point where you're able to go beyond your max? Well, you don't just sit there underneath that bar with, let's say, 200 pounds on it. And you don't just sit there and just push and push and push and push until nothing happens. What do you have to do? You have to go lower on the weights, and you have to strengthen yourself. You have to lift. You have to grow the muscles. You have to strengthen yourself so that you can be strong enough to lift this weight that you initially wanted to lift. That's the sense that Paul is speaking here. He's like, you're not strong enough to do it on your own. And you never will be. You will always need 
God for strengthening. Why? Because everything is beyond us. That's why we worship him. That's why we call upon his name. That's why we need him. That's why in him we live, move, and have our being. Everything is beyond us, and we need him for strengthening. See, when Paul prayed for the church to be strengthened for evangelism, he was praying because he already knew. I love this part. He already knew. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. First of all, with Paul, we, we have to get real here. We have, to, we have to look at what God has called him to do and the example God was setting in him. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. Paul is the Lord's example of suffering for his name. Look at, look at this is the chapter where Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was blinded by, uh, by the Lord and uh, the Lord called him into service, and then now Paul is, is blind, and, and he is humbled, and he's waiting for further instructions. And then the Lord appears to Ananias, and he tells Ananias, you need to go and minister to Paul. Ananias is like, no, sir, I'm not going over there. I heard he's killing people. And the Lord said, no, 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 that's not the same Paul. I've changed him. And this is what he says in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16 right here. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. All right. So Paul is, is our example for suffering for the sake of the name of Christ. But, but there's more. Second Corinthians Let's turn there real quick. Then we're going to come back to Acts. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. This is Paul talking about everything that he's been through in his ministry. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Paul's name, nickname should have been Danger. Right, Because everywhere he went, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the Lord's name, he was in danger. In toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So in general... This was, this was Paul's life. This is why he's warning the church in Ephesus. And this is why he's praying for them. But Paul not only, uh, he only, not only speaks from experience from performing, you know, uh, giving the gospel on a regular basis, but he also speaks from experience 
in, in ministering to the city in Ephesus. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 19. Paul evangelized Ephesus, and this was part of his experience. Look at verse, um, verses 8 through 11. This was a time when Paul was speaking in a synagogue in the city of Ephesus. He says, and it says here, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. See, Paul is... Speaking from experience of the issues he had there in Ephesus, and he's praying for the church there. He's praying that the Lord give them strength because they're going to need it. But it continues. Look at verses 23 through 41. I'm not going to read all of this. But here, the Bible describes a riot that was invoked because of Paul preaching the gospel. It says, about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. The way is the gospel, Christianity. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis. Artemis was the goddess Diana. And in Ephesus, they worshiped this goddess. It's a neat story that goes behind it. Basically, what happened one day was um, there were a group of people who were outside and they saw this, this flash of light come down. And this is the myth that goes with it. And when they saw this flash of light come down, they, they saw it hit somewhere. They chased after it. And when they got there, there was a statue of Artemis. Or there was this statue of the goddess Diana. And so from that point forward, they began to worship this goddess. Artemis is the goddess's name in Greek. And so that's why... There was this silversmith who was making a lot of money, making idols of the goddess Diana. People would buy them, worship them. Well, Paul started speaking against that. He started to say that she was not a god. She cannot be a god if she was made by human hands. For the god that we worship, he is not made by human hands. He is the one who creates all things. So as, as Paul, is, Paul and, and his companions are sharing the gospel, here Demetrius begins to get angry. Why? Well, let's look at the verse. He made silver shrines of Artemis, and it brought no little business to the craftsmen. Verse 24. So Paul started to basically take money out of his pocket. Verse 25, he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that 
this trade of ours may come in disrepute, but also in the temple of the great goddess Artemis. And that she may be counted as nothing and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence. She whom all Asia and the world worship. So what's their response? They, begin, they, they become angry. And then they go and they rush. They try to rush Paul and his disciples. Here, in this example, they, everything is finally stopped before they hurt anybody. But yet there was this riot that was invoked because of the gospel. Now, for us, I don't know about you, but I've never incited a riot in preaching the gospel. Maybe on Facebook. <laughs> Social media riot, there's a lot of those. But to stand in front and, and to preach the word and this riot begins to develop because of it. No, I've never experienced that. I doubt that you have. But listen here. We do experience trouble in sharing the gospel. Each and every one of us. Why? For the same reason that Paul experienced trouble here in, in, in Ephesus. You see, Paul shared the gospel against this idol, this goddess Diana. And in sharing the gospel, he was attacking people's idols. Our people's idol. People worship this God. Paul saying, she cannot be a God. All she is is a statue. She cannot be a God because gods are not made by human hands. And at that, people were angry for a lot of different reasons. Because they were take, their, their wealth was being taken away. Everything they've ever been taught from, from a child, that was take, being taken away. And they're standing there and they're like, who are you, Paul, to, to, to judge us like this? Who are you to question what we believe? Who are you to, to speak like this to us? Listen, when we share the gospel today, aren't we doing the same things? Aren't we attacking the idols of people? There are people who have an idol of pride, and the gospel attacks that. The gospel says, you're no good. You're a sinner, and you need a savior. And they get upset. When we attack money, when, when we attack money with the gospel, we say, hey, do not place your faith and your hope in material possessions. That is a root of all kind of evils. What do people do? They get angry at that. We're attacking their idols. So as we share the word of God, we are going to experience Suffering, we are going to experience trouble. We are going to experience, maybe even in some cases, depression. We are going to experience just all sorts of difficulty. This is not an easy task that God has called us to do. Some will also suffer just being stagnant. Not sharing because of the difficulty that there is in sharing. See, 
when we share the gospel, number one, these are things that I could think of in, in my lifetime, in, in, in my experience in sharing the gospel. But the first thing that came to mind is sharing the gospel is exhausting. Why? Because it never ends. It never ends. I remember when I was younger and I had opportunities to share the gospel, I was like, I'm going to change the world. Yeah, did you hear that? I'm going to change the world. It didn't take long for God to humble me and show me that I wasn't going to do nothing. But I was all pumped up. It was like, line them up, one after another, at work, wherever. I want to share the gospel. Then I realized, I can't finish this. I'm a type of guy that likes to finish things. I like the list and I like to get these things done. And after they're done, I like to appreciate them. I'm never finishing this. It's exhausting. And then with some, praise God for these people in my life. But with some, once they're saved, they continually need the gospel over and over and over and over and over again for a little while to completely understand their salvation. It's exhausting. Not only that, though, it's long-suffering. It's long-suffering. The things that you have to do to share the gospel. The patience you have to have or the patience that is developed in you as you're sharing the gospel. It's uncomfortable. That's, that was a big thing for me, how uncomfortable it was to share the gospel. I'm an introvert, right? So I'm good with one-on-one discussions, but to be preaching in front of a crowd, oh my goodness, How would I ever do that? By the strength of God. It's thankless. And what I mean by that is no one's walking around thanking you for sharing the gospel. You don't have like this music playing behind you as you walk through the neighborhood or as you walk through work, getting you pumped up so that you can share the gospel. In fact, most of the time, there is no thrill about it. Just maybe for you, but it's simple. And if you keep at it long enough, it's just going to be something that's normal. You don't have this crowd walking behind you talking about how great you are. That discourages some. We need to remember, though, that we do this out of service and out of worship. It's sacrificial. It's humbling. It goes beyond our personal limits. And get this, it's filled with missed opportunity and failures. How many times have you, after the the, the moment passed, have you thought, man, I didn't share the gospel? Or, gosh, that was my opportunity. God, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I share the gospel? Or those moments where you just cowered. You had the opportunity and you just cowered. 
hey, I'm right there. Happened to me maybe about eight months ago. Golden opportunity in H-E-B. And I didn't take it. Like, man, the Lord gave me that opportunity and I just, I cowered. See, this is why we need the strength of the Lord. We have been called to share his word. We have been called to evangelize. And if we are going to do it, we need help from above. And with Paul's prayer, we understand that we have that help. Not only do we have help in every aspect of our lives, but especially here. Because this is what you and I were set aside for. We weren't set aside just to enjoy the blessings of God and just wait and relax and, until he comes back. God has, he has set us aside for his work, and his work is evangelism, sharing the gospel with those that are around us. Yes, it may be exhausting. Yes, it may be long-suffering. It may be uncomfortable. It may be thankless, sacrificial, humbling. It may go past, go past our, our beyond our personal limits. And it may be filled with missed opportunities. And it may be filled with failures. But that's why we need to bow before the Father, as Paul said, to be strengthened with power from his Spirit, knowing that we have Christ in us and that we are being rooted and grounded in love. I love that illustration that Paul gives about being rooted and grounded in God's love. And this is a part where the whole sermon could have been devoted to this. But, but this goes in line with Paul's prayer for us to be strengthened. Listen, we have the spirit. This is a wonderful triune passage here. Paul's describing that we have the spirit. First, we have the father to pray to because it is from him from all blessings flow. We have the spirit to strengthen us in our inner being. Why? Because we have Christ. And because we have the father, son and Holy Spirit, we are being rooted and grounded in love. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's this uh, huge, I don't know if, if you are friends with me on Facebook, you've seen this picture of the oak tree that we have in our backyard. Honestly, it is the reason why we bought the property. I saw the oak tree and I fell in love with it. Only thing was, you could hardly see it. It was just covered with shrubs, completely covered. I think that's why no one had bought the property before because they never saw it. They never went out there and walked through it and saw it. Lisa and I, we walked out there, we saw it, we fell in love with it. I knew it was going to take a large amount of work to get it uncovered. But once we got it uncovered, it is so beautiful. It is, it is just massive. And its trunks just go everywhere. And I, I think, how deep do those roots run? How deep do they run? And it just, it, I love it because it reminds me of how I am rooted and grounded in God's love. There's been a couple of times where I've chopped off a limb because I can tell you, they're just growing all around. I chopped off a limb off that tree, growing from the base, 
And then I try to get down to the root and, and the roots are just so, so thick. I'm like, that tree is not going anywhere. That's a picture of us. We're not going anywhere. God has us in his hands. We are rooted and we are grounded in his love. And he is strengthening us for our task, for the work that we are called to do. We ourselves, we need to comprehend, as Paul says, with all of the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of his love for us. I love Paul's example there too because it's almost as if he is asking us to go and measure the love of God for us. You know, a lot of people in here love doing work at home. When you're going to build something, measure twice, cut once, right? So you sit there and you measure what, you get your measurements, get that all situated, then you do your cutting, then you put together. Paul's saying, you're rooted and grounded in God's love. I'm praying that he strengthen you in your inner being by his spirit through Christ. And, and I pray that you comprehend the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Go ahead. Go. Go and measure it. Go and see. If we were to get out there and start measuring... We'd get so far and then we'd be like, you know what? It's, it's beyond measurement. It's beyond us. It's more than we need. Because his love is infinite and eternal. Since we have God the Father, since we have God the Son, and since we have God the Holy Spirit, Paul says we will be filled with his fullness. See, even though sharing the gospel with the lost is beyond our strength and it's beyond our limits, Paul says he, him, him alone, he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to his power at work in us. Let us pray.